Welcome to the new TV Gold podcast from Media Week's Andrew Mercado and James Manning, a podcast for people who love great television. It's time for TV Gold. I'm James Manning. Joining me this week, as always, Andrew Mercado. Uh, we've got three good drama series this week, but they're not brand new. They're all um, series, I think, well, that's what they are. The Only Murders in the Building Season 3, yep. RFDS Season 2, Billions Season 7, believe it or not. Then we've got a couple of good docos. Andrew, I thought we would start with Only Murders in the Building. Oh, how can you go past it when you, you open up Series 3 with guest stars Meryl Streep and Paul Rudd. Wow. And, I mean, it was such a fantastic return to form for them because they did actually tease season three in the last few minutes of season two. Um, We saw Paul Rudd on stage, big Broadway show, uh, and the next minute he dropped dead and here we go again. But in this first episode of series three, they – Start in exactly the same place, but wow, they take you on a real roller coaster ride about what's really happened. And of course, we get Meryl Streep. And what an incredible performance this is because Meryl Streep plays a failed actress. And that first scene where you see her as a little girl going to the front of the Broadway stage, watching this performer sing a song, that is based on Meryl Streep's real life. That's the story she told them and they wrote it in for the character. And it's just so fantastic to see Meryl Streep playing a bad actress that still has these moments of brilliance. How how fantastic. Yeah, the thing that really got me is she does an audition for a role, right? She's a complete unknown. She comes into the theatre late um, and she does an audition for Martin Short Oh, my God. How good is that scene? Oh, that scene is so amazing. But then hilariously, when they sit down for the first table read of the play, <laughs> she she starts doing it in different accents because, you know, she as an actor, she says she needs to, like, find her way to the part. And, of course, Martin Short playing Oliver is... You see this look he just gives her, like, what the hell is happening? There's so much in this first episode of great things going on. And, James, can I also call out a couple of uh, two of the the supporting cast too? We have Jackie Hoffman, who's still there as their kind of nemesis in the building, um, who says to them when Paul Rudd drops dead on the Broadway stage, oh, well, at least it wasn't a murder in the building this time. (laughs) I mean, she is so great and now we've got Andrea Martin playing Steve Martin's girlfriend I mean both of these actresses are kind of character actors that have been in a lot of shows when I think of Andrea Martin I think of her in the movie version of the producers uh, dressed up as a little old lady uh, you know with her walker going across the the lights in time to the music and then I think of Jackie Hoffman how incredible she was playing Joan Crawford's maid in Feud opposite uh, Jessica Lange uh, and Susan Sarandon. I mean, this show is just dripping with so much incredible talent. Yeah, look, I had in my notes here Jackie Hoffman. I bet Andrew brings it up. (laughs) (laughs) You certainly do. I think she's a bit of a Ryan Murphy favourite, isn't she? She She is, yeah. You mentioned uh, Feud. I think she was in The Politician 
and um, she's been in a few other things of his. Look, I, you mentioned Paul Rudd too and Meryl Streep. They're both great. But someone who stands out for me, Ashley Park, she is on such a roll at the moment. She's just brilliant. I mean, she was, she's been in Beef which yep. um, recently. She's in the movie Joyride, which has just been a cinema release, which I actually saw on the weekend, I think, by the makers of um, Crazy Rich Asians. Yes, that right. It's just a hilarious movie. You can watch it online. Look, they'll slug you $20. But huh. there was a couple of us watching, and I thought, well, it's a, you divide it up. It's like um, eight bucks each or something, whatever yep, yep. the calculation was. And, of course, Emily in Paris. She was really the co-star in Emily in Paris. Yeah. She's just so hot at the moment. I'm not sure how many episodes she'll be in, but look, just look out for her. I really love her work. And I've got to admit, I've only been a casual viewer of Only Murders in the Building and and dipping into this first episode of season three reminded me of what I'm missing, right? Did you get what could be one of the lines of the year in episode two where um, Steve Martin says to Martin Short, oh, you know, uh, Martin Short says, I I can talk anybody into anything. And uh, Steve Martin says, well, you you talked me into getting Paramount Plus because you said I needed it. And Martin Short said, yeah. Like, what a trolling from a show being made uh, for a rival streamer to make a joke like that. Very, very funny. Yeah, look, if there's something in common between the three dramas we look at this week is they're all brilliantly written. The the, the scripts are all really good. This is probably the sharpest of them all. Oh, God, yeah. Hilarious. And the byplay between Steve Martin and Martin Short – it's worth the it's worth the price of a subscription to Disney Plus alone, I think. And I mean, we should also mention that Selena Gomez uh, being brought in there as the the third member of that trio, and the way that she, you know, is so sarcastic and deadpan to those two old guys. Um, it's it's very they they make a great great team on paper. That doesn't work, but you know. Put it in in the 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 get those three actors to do it and great writing and it's just flying off the page. Yeah, I mentioned Disney Plus, and my only gripe is I think they're having another price bump. Oh, so are it's, they? it's getting expensive to um, subscribe to a lot of these. And look, and you and me, we're lucky we get to watch previews. Yeah, you know where we don't necessarily have to have a subscription. Some services people let us log in without charging. But I've got an annual subscription to um, Disney Plus, and I think I got an alert during the week. It's jumping up like $20 a year. Wow, um, yeah. So it's a substantial uh, bunch of money that they're asking for. And to me, there hasn't been a hell of a lot to watch um, on Disney Plus this year. There's been a few good things, but this is something that makes me happy about having the subscription. And I always maintain, look, um, as long as you've got a couple of key properties Right. We'll probably say, oh, look at their uh, credit card statement every month and go, oh, I know I have this for, for only murders in the building. I'll, I'll, I'll let it keep rolling over. But this, I'm going down a sidetrack, and it's maybe something we can talk about in future episodes, the sort of value of streaming services. Yeah. So that's only murders in the building, and that's on Disney+. Plus. Um, 
Talk about RFDS. It's the season two. Now, I've watched the first episode of uh, the second season. You haven't caught up with it yet, but um, you were a big fan of season one, weren't you? Oh, I loved series one. I loved that it was filmed in Broken Hill. Um, I loved that it was, uh, it took what was the concept of the old Flying Doctor show and, and I thought really beautifully, uh, brought it into today, uh, really, really well. And, you know, although they are completely different shows and they're not based on each other, you can't really talk about it without mentioning the fact that this is the second show we've got about our Royal Flying Doctor service. And I mean, this one, they did really, really well. They did really well with the cast they picked for this. Uh, so strong. I mean, Stephen Peacock's in there again. Uh, Rob Collins, Emma Hamilton. Uh, and, you know, what a what a windfall for them now to have Thomas Weatherall in there, uh, who was just a new actor in RFDS. And then he popped up in Heartbreak High and the next minute he's winning a Logie Award. So hopefully he's got more to do in the second series of RFDS. Did you see him there in the first episode? Yeah, he's Not only on the sun. phone in a couple of scenes. Uh, um, um, and also um, Emma Hamilton isn't really in that first episode. I think she's, again, she might be on a video call at the very start. Yeah. And just see her on a, a photo on a phone right at the end. So, yeah. No spoilers, but um, that's what happens there. There, Rob Collins is back. Stephen Peacock, who you mentioned, he's a really good actor. I think he's a great actor because you know I've seen him on lots of TV week covers for his work on Home and Away, and you think you know you think mm, is he really that great? But look, he's really good in this, and he has a pivotal role in this first episode. The sort of the overall plot is they go to a um, rodeo or Rodeo, yep. however you want to say it, um, somewhere else outside of Broken Hill. It's a plane ride to get there. And a um, couple of the cowboys have an accident and get injured and, and they have to attend to them and they can't get a doctor on site. So Stephen Peacock has to step up and he it's um, some really good scenes there. Justine Clark, it's interesting too, she's, she's in it but not in it. Um, again, she's away from all the action. But she's yep. going through, she has a medical challenge. She has to go and get some tests. We don't really find out what might be wrong with her, but at the very end, you see her reading something that's a bit of a clue to what they might be testing for. So that's quite dramatic. Ash Ricardo's back. Uh, Jack Scott, I love, is is a little bit of um, comedy relief. He's one of, yeah. the other, one of the other nurses. He's lovely. Uh, Rodney Afif, uh is also great in this. Um, so, look, it's a really good cast, and I really enjoyed that first episode. And did you see whether or not um, in this second episode, I loved it in that first series, you know, uh, Maddie, who's the nurse played by Jack Scott, um, he got to, he got together with this guy and they went to see a drag show at uh, <laughs> a hotel in Broken Hill that was the location for Priscilla. Any sign of Nurse Maddie's boyfriend still in the show? No, he does make a gag about um, having a partner. Right. And it's something about, oh, I forget what it is now, but something, it's a joke about bad sex or something. And, um, <laughs> but so that might be a reference because I'm, yeah, I didn't see a lot. I remember 
I'll tell you what, not as much happens in this first episode as happened in the first episode of season one because there's some fairly dramatic scenes, wasn't there, in that first uh, the season opener? You know, RFDS is a show that has been brought into the 21st century and has managed to be to to make it diverse without slapping you around the head about it i'm going to have a lot to say about this when we talk on our podcast next week i am a huge fan of diversity on screen but i think that there's a way that you should do it you should try and do it organically and you should maybe sometimes try and you know do it a bit slowly as opposed to starting off with your first episode where it's like here's our people of color here's our lgbt characters here's this like really really going a little bit overboard in the first episode and i think that's off-putting to some members of the episode of the audience and i think that rfds is a show that managed to bring that in but they they did it slowly over the course of eight episodes and it, it's it works much much better when it's done that way as opposed to what i'm going to say next week about a, a new show okay um Emma Harvey might be new to the cast too, I think, in this season. And she's been so hot lately. Look at the stuff. She was in In Limbo. She's yeah. in Colin from Accounts. Uh, she was in Frayed. So she's, you know, been really busy lately. So she's um, doing well. Does and it now- feel like Seven is kind of un- under-promoting this second series? I mean, I guess they're, they're uh, doing very, very well at the moment uh, with the World Cup. So I guess in the ad breaks, uh, they might be pumping it. But, you know, uh, it, it feels to me like it's kind of snuck up on us. I haven't really seen a lot about it. And what a terrible time slot, 9.15 p.m. on a, is it a Tuesday night? They're, they're putting it to air after The Voice. I just don't think that's 9.15 after an episode of The Voice. Like, seriously, what are they doing? Yeah, I mean, this is something we should explore. Maybe we'll do a special episode in um, in drama. We've talked about how all the good drama commissions are, are happening really on the um, – all the good commercial um, TV drama commissions happening on streaming platforms now. Yeah. It's draw, drying up um, a little bit on uh, free-to-air with some notable exceptions like this, uh, some of the series on 10 – uh, we'll have a nine up front in a couple of weeks. We might hear about their commitment, but they're spending most of their money in Australian drama on Stan, I think. Yeah. Uh, so I think we should probably talk about that in future. Look, something else before we leave RFDS, the name Ian Meadows. I saw it in the credits and I thought, mm, it's familiar. I don't really yeah. know much about Ian Meadows. So, of course, wow, I never realised He's a very talented actor, very talented oh, yeah. writer, and he co-created this with uh, Imogen Banks and Mark Fennessy, and he was the writer on this, on the first season. I think he's writing on this one as well. Yeah. But he was also Dan Moody. I know. I, I, something I just never put together, those two things. Yeah, yeah, he was in the Moody's and he was also in The Wrong Guy, opposite Jessica Mirai. Uh, he was in that kind of love triangle with Rob Collins, who he's now writing for in <laughs> RFDS. And, look, I think he's the real-life partner, well, he was, I hope he still is now I'm saying this, of Ash Ricardo in RFDS. So, uh, 
you know, it's uh, it's great that uh, he has proved that, you know, how great that you can be an actor, but also spin off into writing and doing other jobs. You know, it's it's always good if you're a jobbing actor in Australia to have a couple of other irons in the fire and uh, script writing. Wow, what a, what a great thing to be doing. Yep. Um, so RFDS can certainly recommend that on seven and you can also catch up with it on seven plus of course let's look at the first of the docos we're going to talk about this week telemarketers it's an hbo series and you can watch it on binge and foxtel yeah i just i loved this show james it was you know i saw the title and i couldn't figure out whether it was going to be a comedy because i could see danny mcbride in the credits as an executive producer um and then i started watching it and it's actually a doco uh and it's about these well, kind of focuses on two guys one of the guys who's called sam lipman stern he dropped out of school at 14 years old and took this job in a telemarketing company and what's interesting about it is that even though he was working in telemarketing he clearly had a love for making films because he's got a video camera and he shoots a lot of footage at this office he works in and whoa this office is really out there you can do whatever you want in this office i don't think uh uh, I've seen uh, a more crazy workspace anywhere else. But as the years go on, Sam Littmanstern, you know, grows up and he's friends at this telemarketing company with a guy called Pat Pespis and uh, Patrick J. Pespis, as he calls himself sometimes. And uh, Patrick's got a few issues. He's uh, a heroin addict. Um, he's allowed to this. Uh, he's allowed to shoot up at work and be on the nod at his desk. And there's video footage of him. But they're selling. Uh, they're telling marketing to people and. They have a contract to sell to a policeman's union. So they're taught to speak like police in an authoritarian voice and to collect money. And as the years roll on, these two guys start to realize that this charity is a giant scam and that a tiny fraction of the money they're raising is going to this police union and all the rest of it is going into the pockets of really, really rich people. And so they decide to become whistleblowers. And by this stage, Sam Lippman Stern is a proper doco maker. So he goes to try to track down Patrick Pespis, who he hasn't seen in years and years and fears the worst, uh, to see if they can finish this doco. I just thought it was so fascinating. Three parts. Yeah, there's a lot of um, interesting things. I mean, the, I think it was 90% of the money gets taken up by administration, yeah. so-called administration. Only 10% of the money raised goes to the, the charities they talk about. Was there – now, I've only watched the first one. Is there any um, uh, allegations that none of the money went to the charities? 
Well, it does get worse. In the third episode, they discover that, yes, 10% might be going to the police union, but then that police union, which supposedly has been set up to help cops uh, who've been injured in the line of work and have had to quit the police force, in actual fact, they're not getting the money at all. The money is going to lunches and hotel stays for the head guys in the union. The whole thing is a terrible scam. And at the end, they actually end up in Washington, D.C., putting it down on the table for a senator going, look at this. This has been going on for years and years. And every time you try to shut these guys down, they they get a slap on the wrist, pay a little fine and just start up a new company and start it all over again. And it's always going after the most vulnerable and the poorest people. And, you know, they're saying, hey, you know, if, we, if you donate to this police union, we'll give you a bumper sticker for your car and then you might not get a parking ticket. <laughs> I mean, there's so many scams. And in actual fact, this company was so successful at raising money, they basically have written the template for every telemarketing company that rings you now. And I tell you what, after watching this doco, I think I will hang up on every telemarketer that rings me because I realised that some of the lines they're using, I've heard those lines being used by other telemarketers. I think it's a really, really interesting documentary. And there's something about these guys, Sam and Pat, you know, it's, you know, they are underdogs, you know, they're working on a minimum wage of $10 an hour, but the fact that they've got a fire in their belly and they spend years and years trying their very best to, you know, unmask this this terrible crime that's been going on, I, I just really, really loved them and loved watching their journey. Yeah, look, I'm sorry I didn't love it as much as you. Um, uh-huh. I I get it that a lot of that footage is so interesting and it's historic and there's a lot of stuff from I think 2010 maybe even yeah it's a long time yeah. yeah earlier um the, but there's just too much of it I mean there's just endless shots of people goofing off in the office and oh I kept saying please can we move on a little bit you know but I do understand that look that that footage is so. I don't know, special that, you know, he actually shot it when yeah. they were in there working. They wanted to make the most of it. But I just couldn't help thinking, look, please bring in a producer from 60 Minutes or Seven Spotlight or Four Corners and <laughs> wrap this up into a 20-minute, half-hour story with a lot, make it punchy, you know. I'm just not going to give three hours to this. It was just, wow, too slow, too long. I'm sorry, I couldn't do it. Yeah, look, there's no doubt it probably would have worked at two hours. And you're right, they do eventually meet a professional film uh, maker, but not till very, very late in the piece. Uh, so, yeah, the, the die had been cast. Yeah, but look, Telemarketers is a, has been released as an HBO documentary, so you'll be able to watch it on Foxtel and Binge. Yeah, and look, the HBO stamp, I was thinking about that. You, It automatically elevates something, you know. And yeah. Not always necessarily worthy, but it's certainly a nice, prestigious opening to have on your program. Um, interestingly enough, I actually got a telemarketing call in the middle of the episode I was, I was watching too. So I thought that was very appropriate. So that's, yeah, telemarketers, you can watch it on Foxtel or Binge. 
the third of our dramas this week is Billions. Yep. Now, One of um, favourites, James. Goodness yeah, me. Re- regular listeners won't be surprised. I've watched it. You haven't. Yeah. <laughs> but um, so, yeah, I was I was straight onto this when we when we got the preview. Uh, the how they're selling this is the um, return of Bobby Axelrod. Okay, there he was. He's been out of the um, show for a little while, and all the promos show. Look, Bobby will be back. Uh, Dame, played by Damian Lewis, will be back this season. But in that first episode, you're not sure to what extent he will be back. Right. Again, I think we all know he'll probably be back. But in that first episode, um, they have to go and track him down to find out he's living sort of in exile in England. So Chuck Rhodes and Wendy Rhodes, the the former couple now separated, of course, Paul Giamatti and Maggie Siff, they go off and they they pitch to him to come back. And uh, Wags goes with them, of course, Mike Wagner, uh, played by David Costabile, um, who's probably one of the real stars of this show, not as big a name as some of the others, but he's but he was Axe's right-hand man, man over the years. And they go on back to try and lure him to come back, and he says, look, if I step back in the US, I'm going to get busted. Um, you know, there'll be big problems for me. And at the end of that episode, he says, no, nah, look, I can't do it. I'm not going. So they... They return to the US without him. Will that be the end of it? Look, I don't think so. No, he's got to come back for more. <laughs> but I, I like it the way they leave you wondering, hmm, I wonder how this plot will go. Yeah. And the, the real interest, though, is Michael Prince, right? He's the um, he's the person that uh, Axe sold the business to, if you like. He took over his business when Axe had to have a fire, fire sale and get out of the country, played by uh, Mike Prince's Corey Stoll. Now, at the end of season six, and he's such a nasty piece of work, and I go Axe isn't Mr. Nice Guy either, but in the in the universe of this show, the viewers, everybody likes Axe. He's sort of, you know, a, a likeable sort of tycoon, nasty tycoon, but Michael Prince is definitely an, an unlikable nasty tycoon and he was thinking about running for president and that that is sort of one of the big stories in um the start of season seven and the other one is chuck rhodes the sort of um new york attorney general who was sent to prison in season six and we see his probably not a spoiler to say he um he sort of gets out, if you like, but he's wearing right. an ankle bracelet and he's still very much under suspicion and uh, not completely free of all the charges he was facing. So it's it's Michael Prince versus Chuck Rhodes, and then it, I think it will become Michael Prince versus Bobby Axelrod as the series progresses. Are you getting a sense yet of what some of the spin-offs to Billions might be? Because we know they're talking about a spin-off called Trillions and maybe one called Millions. <laughs> but are you getting a sense yet of which characters uh, might be spun off to their own show if, in fact, they're going to do that? Yeah, not at all, really, not at all. And I've always had my suspicions, but, I mean, 
the big cloud hanging over what will happen to the spin-offs, I think, is the actors' strike. Yeah, right. Um, and and the other unions that are um, in sympathy with them. Uh, we saw what COVID did. It rewrote a lot of the rules of Hollywood. Yeah. A lot of shows got put on hold or stopped. Um, and I think that'll happen here too. People will reevaluate their schedules. And will we still so I think we'll still see some sort of spin-off. For sure, eventually, yeah. Yeah, not maybe as ambitious as a plan to have multiple spin-offs. Yeah. Um, and you've got to think Damian Lewis would be key to any spin-off. Totally. And what they would have done if they were doing multiple, they would have split the characters. So I guess the dream scenario would have been um Damien Lewis in one spin-off, Paul Giamatti in another, and yep. they might have had crossover episodes now and then. But, you know, it would be doubtful, I think, if we'd see two spin-offs uh, coming out at the same time. Another aside from that is where would we see those spin-offs in Australia? Because this is um, a show made by Showtime for Paramount in the US. Ah, uh, yeah. But it was done before we had Paramount Plus in Australia. Yeah. And they sold the show to Stan. Apparently, it's if there are spin-offs, it could be Stan or it could be Paramount Plus, but my money would it be, I reckon it would definitely be, be on Paramount Plus. Yeah, they're for sure. Gonna, if they're making it now, they're going to keep it. Absolutely. But the one thing that maybe could impact that is the business models for the streamers are also undergoing significant change. Yep. You know, the big studios, the original plan was all the content we make will be ours forever. We'll yep. never share it to help build out streaming services. That has changed dramatically. Yep. Now a lot of that content goes first run on those streaming services, then they'll sell it to whoever. <laughs> yeah. If that continues to evolve, we might see them making some shows for themselves and some shows to sell elsewhere. Just yeah, and the longer this actor strike goes on, the more we'll see those streamers selling their shows around because people are going to start running out of content uh, next year, right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, and we're going to see that relatively soon, I think. Um, so, yeah, so Billion Season 7, I really enjoyed it. The, the whole um, Mike Prince for the White House is a fascinating storyline, you know. Um, Damien Lewis, will he come back as a full-time character? Will we see Axe back? Will he take over his old firm where I think all the staff, most of the staff who stayed on to work for Michael Prince are, are still probably loyal to Axe, and I think they would certainly go back with him or they'd be happy to see him back at their firm, um, you know, but they don't really let on because, these people are all paid a fortune, of course, for their work in the financial sector, and they don't want to jeopardise that, but they don't really like working for Michael Prince. So, yep, Billion Season 7, back on Stan. James, so, one of our 
uh, one of our, uh, someone who wrote into our podcast last week asked us to circle back to things when we finish them. Yes. So I just want to really quickly mention that I finish ba- finished Based on a True Story, a show which was made for Peacock in the US, which has been screening here on Foxtel and Binge. This was the story. This is Kaylee Cuoco, Chris Messina and Tom Bateman. This is the one where the couple hook up with a serial killer and to turn it into a podcast to make money. And I think I said to you when I watched those first couple of episodes that it was so incredibly violent. I didn't think I'd be able to finish watching it, but I stuck with it and it continued to be extremely violent as the serial killer continued to kill people. And wow, talk about immoral, you know, just people being murdered and figuring out ways to make money off it. It's really, really out there. And it ended after eight episodes on a cliffhanger that I kind of thought wasn't really worthy of a first series cliffhanger. Uh, Clearly, there's a lot more to do with this story. Really, really out there, though. Like, the violence was off the chart, but there was something about it just being so outrageous, I couldn't stop watching based on a true story. So I finished it, and uh, let's see if it comes back for a second series. Yeah, okay. I've ticked a couple of series I've finished this week. One I've been really slow on, uh, Ted Lasso. Oh, yeah. Which is on Apple TV Plus. Finally finished season three this week, and I was very happy about that. Um, look, it's an enjoyable show. It's, um, I noticed some of the episodes got very long this season. I used to think it was maybe 30, 40 minutes. Yeah, no, it was much longer this time. Yeah, yeah. So it was a lot of episodes around the hour. Um, but I really enjoyed it. They, they left it up a little bit in the air at the very yeah, end. Yeah. Um, but I enjoyed that. And I also finished The Bear, the, the second season. And uh, well, I'm, I'm still going through that very slowly. I, I've been watching that that dinner party episode where we finally get Jamie Lee Curtis as the mother. Oh, God, it stressed me so much, that episode. I'd watch it for like 15 minutes and go, oh, no, I actually think it's really stressful. Yeah, look, Jamie Lee Curtis. It's well, it's actually hard to watch, isn't it? Because yeah, um, it really is that episode. I mean, there's two things that stick out in my mind about that dinner. It was a Christmas lunch, wasn't it? A Christmas it lunch, yeah. Christmas dinner, what sometime during the day um, was Jamie Lee Curtis and her. She's in the kitchen trying to prepare it all. That's quite stressful, and she eventually arrives at the table, and the stress goes up another level. Yeah, and then that whole thing about the fork. Oh. Oh, my Lord. I, I, I literally stopped and started. It took me four days to watch it. I'd watch it for 15 minutes or 10 minutes and go, oh, my God, and just switch to something else. Uh, and I presume that the next episode I watch now, I, I finally finished it last night. I actually think I have to watch the whole thing from start to finish again. It's just so – but it was so stressful. But now that I've gotten through it, I think I'll go back and watch that episode all over again. Yeah. And the, the theme running through the second season is um, – they're going to open a an upmarket fine dining restaurant, yeah. replacing like the sandwich sort of bar they had in the first season. And um, no spoilers, but they 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 do sort of get open, sort of almost yeah. <laughs> at at the end of the season. But it's uh it's fascinating watching it all, and it's yeah it's really good. But yeah, it's a hard it's a hard show to watch lots of episodes in a row. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, let's finish up with a um, couple of things. 
First of all, shows of the week. What what are you going to go with? Well, I haven't watched RFDS. I'll do that today. I'm sorry about that. And I'll write about that for Media Week on Friday. Okay. Um, so I've got to give it to Only Murders in the Building because of Meryl Streep. Yeah, yeah. Look, I'm tempted to go with you, but I'm going to have to go RFDS. Right. Um, Good to hear. Australia first, Andrew. That's our policy yep. here. Yes. <laughs> but, um, but I think all the, all the dramas I really enjoyed this week, um, that was RFDS, which is on Seven, uh, Billions on Stan, and Only Murders in the Building. And as I say, I, I've realised what I've missed. So I think I, well, I'm, again, I'm making these rash promises, but I would love to go back to Only Murders in the Building and just go through them. I th- they, they're usually 30 or 40-minute episodes, aren't they? Yeah. Longer. Yeah, they're not half-hour episodes. They're longer than that. Okay, okay. So that's... Uh... Um, a couple of things I just want to quickly mention. The Traitors is coming back to Channel 10 on Sunday night, and it's gone a little bit uh, celebrity all-stars. Uh, there's former reality TV contestants in there from Survivor and My Kitchen Rules, and actor Guyton Grantley, you know, famous for Underbelly, is in there. I- I've noticed the promos on 10 for the Traitors. It's all these reviews from the UK. Oh, this is amazing. This is amazing it's like hang on this show screened in australia last year i think tim's trying to make us forget and think that this is a brand new show and the the brits love it so you will too anyway but that's on sunday night and the other thing i just want to mention really quickly i watched the inspired unemployed impractical jokers last night on 10 after thank god you're here and i did laugh it was they were they're funny funny guys so well done uh 10 and paramount plus for putting more Australian comedy on the airwaves. Yeah, they do take some, I think you could call them commercial risks. Is that being, I, I feel that's being maybe a bit insulting to the, <laughs> to the programs, but but programs that mightn't you mightn't see on seven and nine, put it that way. Yeah. That they would appeal. And I guess it, they, they think they'll appeal to 10's core audience, which is younger than the other broadcasters. Mm, yeah. <laughs> that used to be their core audience, James. I'm not quite sure they still have that, but anyway, they want it. They want to think they have that, so we'll give it to them. Yeah, and my final shout out is to uh, Catalyst as a show. Look, I, I'll be honest; I don't watch it a lot. It's the ABC Science Show, but whenever yeah. I do, I enjoy it. And they've got a two part special coming up called "The Soundtrack of Australia." Part one is on Tuesday, uh, August fifteen. Part two on the August twenty second, and of course both episodes will be there to watch on iView. Now, and I've seen the promo for this, and and I'm really keen on watching it. It, it looks really fascinating. Yeah, look, it's slow. It's not going to jolt you know you awake with any shock or um big big revelations. But it's the ABC Radio's nature journalist, Doctor Anne Jones, now who I'm pretty sure is a semi regular presenter also on Catalyst. Yep. But she starts off. It's on a, it's on a big salt lake. She's walking across, and it's it's about how the, it's the everyday noises in in life we just take for granted as part of the background, and they explore some of them and and and, and examine them how they're made, and she talks about um, in back in 1977. NASA's Voyager spacecraft, which I think is still out there somewhere, it might have even left our universe. It's out there exploring other worlds. Uh, it was sent what they called a golden record of sounds, 
Um, and I think on that record were some Australian sounds. <laughs> and anyway, look, Dr. Ann Jones makes up what she calls her own uh, Australian golden record of sounds. And she goes through doing lots of different things. And um, she goes, it's interesting, it's like a, a human beatbox. There's a guy who's, um, she explores how he does does all the different noises he can make and they and it's it's quite confronting at some stages because they put and actually put a camera down his throat and and you see his vocal cords at work which is quite amazing uh they go out into the bush and they record i think a lyre bird in um sherbrooke forest outside of melbourne uh that's really interesting and the show starts off i think with cicadas which is one of yeah. the course, the trademark sounds of the australian summer is it ever? Yeah. And then, I mean, this is the type of show that only a public broadcaster would make. You're never going to see a, a show like this on commercial TV. But, you know, sometimes this subject matter is so interesting. So, yeah. Yeah. And, it's, look, I, I, and I'm really happy. I can, part of my tax paying goes to fund things like this where Me you, too. you can have a radio nature journalist. I, yeah. Know, I think we should be doing things like that. So it's just wonderful. Yep. Alrighty, Andrew, many thanks for that. Lots of stuff today. Thanks, James. And I'll race off now and catch up on RFDS Season 2. Yeah, and we've got a couple of interesting things next week quickly too. I think we'll be talking about Mother and Son. With yep. It's coming up, so that's quite a big show for the ABC. And something I stumbled across called Outback Farm. Oh, yeah, right. It's coming up on 7. And I won't say too much about it apart from saying Jason Donovan. Oh, Oh, okay. You've got my attention 100%. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Thanks for listening for TV Gold. Look, if you want to send us your thoughts about anything we mention or give us some tips or criticisms, whatever, you can email us at comments at tvgold.au. Uh, make sure you like or follow the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. And you can read Andrew's column every week in Media Week and uh, in our newsletter, the Media Week Morning Report. And he's already teased he'll be talking about RFDS this week. Thanks, James. Have a great week. Thank you, mate. Bye-bye.